Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is already February, I think it's the 10th. Hold on, I've got to get, yeah, it is. And it's windy as crazy. It's raining here, but not hard. But the bigger news is the wind gusts. Like you're driving your car and you feel your car moving because of the wind. So that's kind of crazy for a Monday morning. But what a way to start the week. Everything's moving and shaking, literally. And today we're going to shake up negativity. Because I cannot believe how fast and furious negativity just shows up and we hook on. We just hook on, like, this happened and don't do that. And it's, our life is a list of don'ts. And then I'm like, well, how do we get to the do's in a day if we're spending our day chasing down all the don'ts? Don't do this. Don't do that. And for a long time, I stopped listening to the news for a long time. And then with all this political craziness, I started again. And granted, that was going on the whole time I wasn't listening. But now I was participating, right? I was listening. And I wanted to know what happened. I wanted to see truth win. I wanted to see rights win, whatever that meant. And no matter what channel I listen to, we all know this story. It brings in fear. And I thought somehow in all of that, I was above that darn fear. That fear wasn't going to, I already got that down. But then I got sucked in. And when I got sucked in, I started choosing sides. I started creating an investment. And what I wanted. I was addicted, couldn't get it off of it. Kind of like that trial about a year and a half ago with the man who killed his family. I couldn't get off it because I wanted justice. I wanted truth to win. I wanted love to win. And I wanted that to win. But depending on who you talk to, that love meant something different. And you'd hear the other side and you'd be like, holy cow, look at how they're looking at it. And I'm like, oh, wow, Christ, that language of there's going to be a language based in coming from love and a language based coming from fear. Yet depending, again, on which side you listen to, both thought they were doing that. And they thought they were doing a good job on it. And then there's the story of consciousness. So I thought about that, and then I thought about kids. You hang around with kids, and they tell you when they fell. They tell you when somebody screamed at them. As they grow older, they only remember a lot of the bad things, but they don't put focus on the positive things. So what's up with that? What? Is that attraction? 
negativity because we are attracted to it, but there's a physical reason why. But over and above us feeling negative towards it, we remember everything in detail, it literally goes back to our heart rate. Why do we pay more attention to negative news than positive news? And why are we attracted to it? Because our decreased heart rate is used as a measure of attentiveness. And what they found and what the findings suggest is that negative network news contents, because this was a measurement, because we're listening to it actively in that time. Because most of the time when somebody is hearing negative news, we have no way of tracking them. But if they're watching negative, why do we get turned off and stay at the same time? Because nobody really wants to hear all that bad news. But we stay because really it's our only choice. All the news stations are going to tell you pretty much the same thing. And then the political ones, the same thing plus their slant. But why do we stay? Why when someone is telling us a story that isn't so great, why do we stay? So we have a decreased heart rate. And that's how we look at attentiveness to news. So they found that negative news, negative network news, just regular news that you get in your house that's local or in, in national, in comparison with positive news, it increases both arousal and attentiveness. Where positive news has an imperceptible, like it's just like imperceived. You can't even put it in a shell impact on the psychological measures of what we focus on. When we focus, we can hear positive news, but we don't have to focus too long to hear negative news. We get that arousal and that attention much faster. So that's why the headlines are always so scary. I know we all know this, but if we don't pay attention to it, we're going to get sucked in. After the whole results in the political thing, I would check back in just to see what's going on. You know what happened? Is that that's when I started to see the biases on both sides. Because in history, a month from now, all that's going to be such old news. We're just going to live with the impact of that news. But it's going to be old news. It's already old news a day later. People have to go on. But it was like one side was scrambling to find more mistakes. And the more they scrambled to look for it, the less they found it. Because the desperation was high. The arousal is blind. Because when we are aroused about anything, we are blind to a lot of the details. All we hear is our version of what we want to hear. 
And then we don't even form an opinion on negative news. We just repeat it. Now think about that. We hear it and we repeat it because we want other people to get the same impact that we got when we hear something negative. It is ridiculous how easy it is to happen, even though it turns us off. Negativity in our minds, when we think about, oh, that person's negative, or that's this, or that, it, it makes us want to run away. And nobody's susceptible to being sucked into it. Even as I was watching, I thought, oh, I like their view. I want to fight for the truth. Whatever that is, I know that no matter what, love will win. I know that. And still, I got worried it wouldn't. And I'm human. We're all human. But when you continue to listen, you're not just momentarily listening. The novelty wears off. And we get sucked in. And then when we hear somebody with an opposing opinion, whatever the opposing opinion is, we are willing to fight with them about it. We're willing to do that. Why do we love bad news? Because bad news increases our heart rate and we get a reaction out of ourselves. And if we generally are positive and we hang around somebody who is negative, after a while we will realize that when we are around this person's energy, whoever it is, doesn't matter, we don't feel good. We start to get tired of our heart racing because it's exhausting to be negative. And not only is the negative person exhausted, they do exhaust the people around them. And that's why people either join them or they run away from them. You know, God said, Christ said, run, don't walk away. There is no soul left behind. You can help. You can work with people but you can't make them listen and it is not your job for them to change. But God has his eye on them. We may not be qualified to take the world on and and change it, but we can change ourselves, which does change our world. And when it changes our world and we start to see more of those people, we recognize those people, there becomes more and more of the positive to balance what happens. For those of us who are way too scared of the positive, and as they see the example of positive and see it working, they may enjoy the comfort and enjoy the decreased heart rate and the lack of stress 
that it takes to be negative. And that's why negativity is a turn off. Because when we are in a negative mode, we look for someone else to just lash out at. And then what do we do? We get in there and we say, oh, they're negative. And I thought, well, you know, there was something in you that took you there. The good news is you noticed that it was negative. And you noticed that you didn't want to be there. And then you left. You may have had a moment where you were mad that someone cut you off or you were mad that someone was, you know, spreading stories of things that don't work while you're up there talking about what does. One of the very first times, this is where I met um, a great woman by the name of Dr. Mihoko. I went to a very first speaking engagement. It was at somebody's house. They invited me to come over to talk about my book. And they invited seven or eight of their closest friends. One of them was Dr. Mihoko. And just the premise of my book, the premise of why I was there, that I saw Christ. And I was going there to tell them what I saw and what I heard. I viewed myself as a witness, like I witnessed Christ at the time. And I thought it was fascinating to tell people what happened, especially after I found out that it doesn't happen that much, which I didn't know. And I get there. That day, I helped someone move. I had to run home, take a shower, get dressed, put my hair back wet, and go, which I did. Little did I know, there was a Sunday school teacher there who never had children yet. So she considered those kids her children. And she had a, I have to be better than you, negative attitude. And she was teaching Sunday school, which was the startling part to me. But listen to what happened. The whole time I sat there, she hijacked the conversation. She started talking about how she saw Christ too, and she has a light in her. And she was in Yugoslavia and saw something special there. And then she came back here, and her kids in her Sunday school class love her more than they love their mothers. So when I heard this, I realized that she had to be better than everybody else. So I didn't fight her. I actually let her go. I let her talk until she exhausted herself. I didn't do it on purpose. It wasn't like I had a plan. I just knew that she needed to do whatever she was doing and saying, and she's the one we had a potluck in the middle, and she's the one who brought most of the food, and all of her food was the best, and this is how she made this, and this is how she did that, and it just went on and on and on. So Dr. Mihoko sitting next to me, and the people started getting tired of hearing 
her talk, not because she wasn't important or what she had to say wasn't important, but they all already knew her. They all already knew these stories. They were Those stories were new to me, but not to them. And they had invited me to go there. So they wanted to know about why I was there. The woman bought everybody a copy of my book and gave them a copy. And if they wanted it signed, I signed before I left. And I thought to myself, I don't even need to be here. I was tired. I was, I was ready to go home. But Dr. Mihoko sat next to me. And she said to me, <laughs> she said, why don't you shut her down? Why are you letting her continue? And one of the things I said to her was, well, why are we letting her continue? Do you want to see me get in like one of those fight-offs where each one is trying to top the other? I had no need to do that. I do enjoy a decreased heart rate and less stress. And even in a stressful situation like that, because while she was talking, I could no longer hear what she was saying because the, the pattern had been set about how great she was how much better she was than I was and how much better she was than the parents of the kids. That was the biggest tell-off because there is no child that will, especially as a group, love a teacher more than they love their own parents who they have known since birth. Even kids who have parents that may not be that aware, they still find a way to say, yes, but they love me. No one can walk in and just replace a parent. And that's the part where I said, okay, there's a need here. There's, there's a gap. And I did find out she couldn't have children. So she kind of adopts people. And she tries to show that she's not deficient, that she's okay. So I get all that. But I didn't know that till later. And so Dr. Mihoko goes back and says to me, well, you know, why are you letting her? do this. I said, well, we, we are letting her. Nobody's really saying anything. And she needs this more than I do. We all tell on ourselves, right? But the negativity laced throughout her conversation, the accusations that nobody's more important than she is, and she's going to make sure everybody knows that by taking away who I am and what I know, when I was invited, there was a lot of other things I could have done on that Saturday afternoon. But I was there and she taught me well. At the end of it, when it was time to go home, she went home. And you know what happened? Everybody else stayed. And then asked me to tell them what I went there to tell them. And I ended up staying till almost midnight because by the time it was time to go home, I was pretty ready to go home that day. But they, they wanted to know what they came there to know. And what I found out was everybody accommodated her. Everybody knew what was going on. We're not 
dummies in that sense. We know when something's negative and we know when something's positive, even though that negative may have been trying to create a positive out of itself. Negative begets negative and positive begets positive. So when she left and we were all able to understand that we wanted the positivity, the level and tone of the conversation came down. People relaxed. We were all able to communicate because with her, it was a monologue for over three hours of time. It was a monologue because she didn't want to hear anything that was going to take away the false castle she built in her mind for herself. And that is where it took a lot of energy. Watching her fight someone she didn't even know or hear yet. Spending all that time cooking all those meals to outdo anyone that was there. And then if you complimented her on a dish, she got this smile on her face like, see, I dominate. But she taught me a bigger lesson a few months later. The reality of what Christ says. People's behavior is not special to you. It is who they are everywhere they go. Don't take it personally. And this is how I learned that. A few months later, I was at a discount store. You know, one of those stores like that have 30% off of regular stores and all that kind of stuff. And I love shopping discounts. That's kind of a fun thing for me when I need something. So I'm there. I'm in the department where the shoes are. And I see this woman walking and I go, I know that woman. Where do I know her from? In my mind, and I'm staring at her. And I'm trying to remember, where did I meet this woman? And I, But I know her. And then she looked at me. She had no recognition. But I did know I met her somewhere. And it turned out to be the lady from the book club or talk that I was going, to, that I did. It turned out to be her. And she did not even recognize me. At all. Like nothing. Zero. I could have been anybody there. I could have been there talking about how my widget works in the sink. And she may have gone off on how great she was at fixing things. I could have been there about teaching us about healthy hair habits, and she may have been the best hair in the whole room, and she may have found the best shampoo that anyone could have ever used, and the best thickener that anyone could have found, and the best blow dryer that anyone could have used. It did not matter what the topic was. She was going to be better than you 
no matter who you are. But the other thing is how does negativity look? Because that night she did affect me in the sense that I did not get to go and do what those people asked of me. And I felt bad that I could not have done that for them because that's what they wanted. Even though it ended up working out at the end, what if it didn't? But I said, you know, every day ends as it should. And I trust the things that Christ says to me. So I did not need to fight or prove to her that I really did do what I did or see what I saw or learned what I learned even. But bigger than her not recognizing me and me understanding what Christ said when he said people's behavior is not special to you, is she looked disheveled. When nobody's looking, all the energy it takes to be negative, to have your heart racing all the time, when you are not on, you are completely off. No light, no makeup, no mask. It's like you think you're invisible and no one can see you, but it's like somebody came and pulled the bones out of your body and you're just wobbling around. And that's why negativity turns us off. Because deep inside, we know that negativity is not going to solve anything for us. It can't. Negative begets negative. And that woman taught me it step by step. It took months for that lesson to be learned. But I maintained my own respect for myself. I had patience to listen to her, let her say what she needed to say, point her arrow and pull the archery bow and shoot me with it over and over again. But I knew enough to know that people don't just come out firing like that. And her comment about the children loving her more than they loved their mother was the telling point. Because that need for adoration, for being good and compensating, I found out later she couldn't have children and didn't have children of her own. That's how it manifested. And no matter who she talked to, she was going to have that argument. No matter who she ran into, she wasn't even going to remember that you were one of the people that she shot her arrows through. And when she wasn't on, when negativity isn't on, it's off. But there's another part to it that even taught me more. That search for what makes you special. The way she was shopping for shoes. The things that we look for to bring attention to ourselves in a state of being off, but our hearts, our hearts still racing, not giving us downtime, not giving us time to rest, not giving us time to enjoy the moment. 
but always buying something to make my life even more important, better, through things, not through people. I got to watch her like a fly on the wall. And she turned out to be one of my biggest teachers. I wished her well. I wished her peace, inner peace, to relax. But I didn't know at the time that the increased heart rate when we hear the arousal that happens to us, the attentiveness that happens to us when we hear something bad or scary is meant for only when something is bad or scary, but not meant to be lived as a lifetime because if we don't have downtime and our mind is always racing, we will feel exhausted even if we did nothing all day, even if we did not get off the couch all day, even if we didn't eat, no matter what we wouldn't do, we could not relax our mind. We could not relax it. Because we're too busy worrying about how we're going to prove to ourselves that we are lovable, that we are better, happier, more important than everybody else. Negative begets negative, and positive begets positive. Oh, you guys, the time is up already. I can't believe sometimes just one story and, and all of a sudden I'm done. And I wish I could stay all day long with you guys. I love you very much. Start the week strong. Have a happy Monday, and I will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.